The Nerd and Tie Podcast is unsurprisingly part of the Nerd and Tie Podcast Network. For more podcasts from actual play to true crime to witchcraft, go to nerdandtie.com or join our Discord by finding an invite at nerdandtie.com slash Discord. Did you know you could sponsor Nerd and Tie? That's right. For $20, we'd say your name here. We'd say how you look kicking in those jeans, and we'd compliment you on some something that wouldn't make you, something that wouldn't make you feel weird, I guess. Just go to nerdandtie.com, click on the sponsor form, and uh, sponsor button. The thing that says sponsor our shows on the website and find instructions there. On this episode of Nerd and Tie, Celeste went to Colossal Con North and or is like the season one's done we're gonna review it wednesday's out on netflix and again and they're gonna talk about that there was a guardians christmas special in there there's a new trailer for the super mario brothers movie and uh twitter's on fire <laughs> just i mean not literally i mean maybe literally i don't know is anybody there to go check all that plus the vomit hat steve challenge coming up at you Oh, welcome to Nerd and Tie, the only podcast on the internet with a dress code. I am one of your hosts, Trey Dorn. Joining me, as always, are uh, Celeste Startwin. Word up. It is still the code word. And the most gen of all gens, Gen Proc. I thought bird was the word. Ha ha. Now you have the song stuck in your head. Ha 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 ha. I, yeah, yeah, surfing bird will not defeat Cameo in my mindscape. Thank you very much. I, what? every time we start the show off, I just end up with the theme to the show going through my head for the next two minutes. So I'm immune <laughs> to any musical prompts until this slowly fades out in my head. So there. And either that or I'll just put on the Goncharov soundtrack. I, I'll Get like, all I've got in here, I've got LeVar Burton outside of a building telling Cameo and his big old cob piece he's got to come out. And now he's going to sing about the word. Word I, up. Everybody say. Word up. <laughs> there we go. Call it and get on the way. I don't know. I could always just put on some gonch. You know, get the Gonchero soundtrack going on here. Build some tension. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know what to tell you. Um, this is, I'm just so happy to be uh, alive, you guys. Um, like, before we get going, I guess uh, um, Trey pointed this out before we started recording, but I find this very funny that since the last episode, two of us have been in the same place as each other like physically present with each other two of us have gotten covid they are not the same two people in each group <laughs> yeah because uh, again and i saw each other at our friend kess's wedding and then uh i actually got covid at that wedding but again didn't but celeste has separately gotten covid um yes I have I have fortunately been largely asymptomatic. Um, I had like I felt some fatigue for a few days, and you know, I think I ran a fever briefly, but other than that, was fine. My my wife got significantly more sicker than I was. But... I am so jealous of you. I had the worst headache of my entire life. 
Uh, I was sweating and I was freezing. Uh, I wanted to die for about 36 hours. <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I have my updated booster. Mm. Get your boosters, folks, and be like Trey. And my my wife, I said my wife had it worse than than me, but she pretty much just had it like a a cold, like, you know, just a runny nose and sniffles. And so, uh, and we, we were both, we both got our updated boosters, um, a little over a week before we got exposed. So, (laughs) I mean, yeah, I'm not going to lie. As much as it sucked, this was, a, I as people who, who are like friends with me on social media have seen me like rambling uh this is like my personal experience has been one of the best arguments i've ever personally had for why vaccines kick ass because i did not have my up to up to date booster but you know i'm vaccinated and i'm thinking about how much worse that could have been i'm still think i came out pretty lucky yeah it's and that's like again you could be like me and be like updated booster and I got technically infected and probably wouldn't have noticed if my wife hadn't gotten sicker than me. Fair. I sort of assumed I hadn't gotten enough sleep. Well, I know a thing or two about not getting enough uh, enough sleep. <clears throat> Cause uh, I actually got to go to a con. Yes, this, uh, yes, yes. This okay, yeah. Before last, Celeste went to <laughs> Celeste went to Colossal Con North. I went to Colossal Con North. Yes, the the con that replaced my um, uh, my my beloved um, complicated feelings uh, for Daisho Con. There's an episode um, that came out exactly a year ago today from when we recorded this that you might yeah, want to listen should, to. <laughs> you might want to listen to it to hear more about my my thoughts. And I'm still working on something kind of like going back to my thoughts on Daisho, but um, everyone I interviewed for that project has uh, um, uh, has actually. Um, uh, asked me to not release any of the audio that they recorded with me. So I respect that. I just have to kind of rework what I was working on pretty drastically as a result, but that it's all right. <clears throat> uh, I, I 100% respect under uh, like what people are going through. Daisho was a lot for me. Colossal North. I found out was happening. Um, I saw their booth when I was at Keith snake on a couple months ago and when they found out I was a former Daisho staffer, uh, I actually got a free badge. So uh, why not go check it out? <laughs> um, I, so I went there with a uh, with, um, friend of the show and a uh, regular uh, member of the Meat Grinder cast, uh, Scott. Um, I ran into several other friends of the show and friends in general. And uh, yeah, so ColossalCon North is... Uh, is an interesting experience. Definitely weird seeing a, uh, um, a like for-profit convention in Wisconsin that didn't yeah. completely take a nosedive its first year. Uh, that <laughs> surprised me. Yeah, not necessarily in a bad way, but <laughs> um, it uh, Friday was kind of dead. I was impressed Friday was kind of dead. I did miss there was a Daishokan funeral panel that I did not get to go to. What? Saturday and Sunday were, yeah, they had a Daishokan funeral. They had a bunch of people who uh, had attended the con, um, a bunch of people who. Uh, Anybody I guess we they know? Did, 
I uh, yeah, um I know uh um Sam uh S A K S K S Ninja. Gotcha, yeah. The yeah, the um yeah. the pod the now um like famous podfic narrator um and former Daishokan chair and founding uh, member was definitely there. Um former Daisho Ninja. Former Daisho Ninja, the OG Daisho Ninja, the creator of the Daisho Ninja character. Yeah. yeah, she actually busted out the the ninja outfit one yeah. last time. That was I pretty saw cool. That. that was very good. Um uh, I, again I was not able to make it, but um uh, I the person who was running it asked for like pictures or things from Daishokan's past that would be worth sharing. And they did get my submission. They did end the Daishokan funeral with the Barbara Streisand dance. So yes. I'm very happy about that. Um, if, if those of you who aren't familiar with it, Trey's YouTube channel actually has it. It's one of oh, the... Oh, God, it does, doesn't it? <laughs> mm-hmm. It is one of the most iconic Daishokan moments. Um, and it was uh, me feeling... Uh, insecure about the fact that we didn't have any planned entertainment for a cosplay halftime show. So um, my attempt to keep the audience entertained turned into a spontaneous dance party. It was very cool. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was really just Liquid 86 spinning and then me deciding to turn it into a spontaneous dance party that made it uh, work so pretty legendary stuff that was a um so like they i know they did that but then it was saturday i actually got to go around the con a little bit more um daisho con was actually one of the first cons that i was out as a trans person at um and it was when i wore my rin tosaka from fate cosplay so it only seemed appropriate. Uh, Daishokan, if it's going to be reborn, I would also be reborn. So I did, um, I cosplayed as uh, uh, Rin being possessed by Ishtar from the Fate series, which was a whole lot of fun. Um, I got to walk around. People got to see how uh, excellent my ass is. Uh, I can't complain about that part. Um, I did mostly keep my mask on during the day with an exception for a photo shoot that I did. Um, they, they weren't policing that though, which yeah, how I was really the, understood. how are the COVID precautions there? Uh, I don't know that they had any officially in place. I didn't see anything. So that's a, like, that's... that's why I'm kind of surprised that best I can tell, I didn't get it at or from the con. Okay. Because I mean, like that's the that's the thing we're trying to you know it's that's the real challenge going forward is uh, trying to figure out exactly how much precautions to take with COVID right now for conventions. It's um, full disclosure. There were, there I am on the like staff. A, a, okay, a sorry. Third, oh, sorry, I, I didn't mean to cut you off. I just wanted Go to ahead. say before I comment anything further, I am on the staff of a, of a convention, uh, no brand con. So I just wanted to, like full disclosure, but like that's. Like whenever I see other cons that still aren't like like they were were they doing they were doing they didn't have any vaccination requirements at all I presume no there were yeah. no vaccination requirements there were no uh, there were no uh, mandatory masking so that was I was not thrilled about that um, however about a third of the attendees voluntarily wore masks just out of their own volition which was probably smart see yeah um, it's I don't but yeah. 
I don't know that we're ready to relax masking requirements yet. You know what I, I mean? Don't, it's, I'm not convinced that it's a good idea yet either. It's part of why I it's, remained masked at the event. Yeah, but. it's like right now, like our organization, we haven't technically lifted our COVID precautions. Like it's still in our policy that you have to be vaccinated and you have to wear a mask. And so we're still listing those because we don't know what obviously what COVID numbers are going to be like comes, you know, when our event takes place next year. But like, I can't imagine, like we, like I can't imagine going to like a convention without masking requirements. And I know that they're going to happen. Like, I know, I don't think Evercon has any masking requirements. It's coming up in January. Mm -hmm. And yeah, um, that's concerning. I know that's still concerning to me. Um, and you know it's like i and and like people want to pretend like the pandemic's over but you and i both literally just got covid yeah like <laughs> 3 years of avoiding this shit yeah and i'm sorry i i ruined the explicit tag this time but yeah no 3 years of avoiding it yeah and yeah i still got it um uh for if anyone is curious um yes i did reach out to anyone who i came into contact with at the con my roommate didn't get it. Uh, um, one person who I interacted with did uh, also test positive, um, although her fiancé, who she lives with, did not. And she made a uh, point of the fact that someone was coughing on her later that weekend. So even though I blame myself, she doesn't blame me. So that's something. Um, but beyond that, yeah, not, thankfully, no one... But that one person in my local vicinity seemed to have caught COVID. That said, I still don't think it was smart to not have restrictions in place. Yeah, like I can, I, I think can, that that's lucky. I can, I can I understand. I can understand maybe raising the vaccine requirement a little bit, but then still requiring masks or one or the other. Like I feel like you yeah. have to do at least one of the two. Either go all vaccinated, and then you can allow no masks, or one or like not require the vaccinations, but require that everybody mask. And I feel like you still have to go down one of those two routes right now. I, I heartily agree. I think that that was a mistake on their end. Um, I'm glad that it wasn't uh, like a, I'm glad that it wasn't a super spreader event though. Like that's, but again, I don't, but I'm not going to give them credit for that either. Cause it's like, right. Eh. Right. it was, yeah, especially right before the holidays. Like I wasn't infected at a convention. I got infected at a wedding <laughs> that I went to where everyone was supposed to be vaccinated. Of course, I don't know if anybody checked the event center staff. Um also true. But uh like I got it there and so I ended up uh, having to skip my family Thanksgiving this year because I didn't want to bring, you know, my wife and I didn't want to bring COVID to my parents' house where my mother had just had surgery the like the week before. Yeah, I you still know. haven't had my my bird is in my freezer right now. Yeah. Cuz I like I didn't get a chance to cook yet. So I'm bummed out about that. That part sucks. Yeah. Um Sorry, I didn't mean yeah. to like drag this into covid land. It's just sort no, of a we're we're talking about a convention. It. It's we're talking about a con that's happening now and how events like here i'm not going to blame anybody who goes to who attends a convention that doesn't end up having COVID requirements but i will say that i will criticize event management that yeah, right as, now isn't taking the proper should. precautions it's i like it's colossal con has a historically complicated 
um, their management, uh, like of the organization as a whole, there have been criticisms levied against them over the years. Some of them by us here at Nerd and Tie. Mm-hmm. Like we've written articles, and it's I'm I'm kind of in this situation where like I'm glad that there's a convention coming in to fill the gap in the schedule that Daishokan left. Right, like that was a hole that needed filling and there are far worse people to come in than colossal con. Like I would say if, if we had to pick a for-profit event to move in there, I'm glad we got them and not the alternative. Right. That's right. Really Absolutely. Life. So let's like, let's be clear. If, if we're going to have a for-profit organization come in that runs multiple conventions, come into our con scene, they are the, uh, the lesser evil, <laughs> but, mm-hmm. um, it's still a for-profit event. It is, and it we we, it it kind of signals the end of of an era that we had of almost exclusively nonprofit organizations running the the big anime cons here, at least. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. obviously, I can't speak for like you know the gaming cons and other stuff, but the anime convention scene in Wisconsin was almost exclusively nonprofit before this. So it's like, because, you know, Anime Milwaukee is huge, is run by a nonprofit. Kitsune Con is a nonprofit. Daisho Con had been a nonprofit. Uh, no Brand Con is a nonprofit. And it's like, you know, there are, there are for profit events in the state. Like, Evercon is an LLC. Um, they're, they're a for profit. But, like, um, out of the Anime Con scene, we had kept it to, you know, nonprofit. And I, and, and I, I wonder how that's going to affect the culture long term. You know what I mean? And so that has that's my my concern because one of the um important things to me about the Wisconsin con scene historically is that the people who ran most of the events in this state for better or for worse were doing it out of love. You know what I mean? It's like even the Evercon people, that's a for-profit con, but it's a small nobody's making money off of that. Those people are doing it out of passion. But that's not what's happening with Colossal Con. You know what I mean? It's um, I don't know how profitable they were, though. Well, like it honestly, that's the that's the other thing. Is well, that, like the first I year event not... is going to lose money. It's the first yeah. year event is going to lose money. It's for Colossal Con. It's long term. They have goals like one would expect them to. They're a business. It's mm-hmm. just that that then divorces that from the, the culture of the the local like like it. My my experience long like has always been that the and, and it's maybe a little less with Amkey than it used to be but you know by far than it used to be but like you go to Kitsune Con and like the people who are running that event like feel like they're a part of the local scene they feel like they are a part of the community you know what I mean like they, they feel connected to the attendees more so because it's not a business you know it's same with you know like i don't want to obviously like you know talk about you know no brand con too much in this respect because it sounds like i'm i'm like tooting my own horn or something like that but we like specifically try to like have a culture where people feel connected with the staff and see them as kind of the the same as them because again we're a volunteer run event you know what i mean like none of us I running mean... the event are getting paid to be there yeah but like we also like i'm speaking as someone who doesn't really like the concept of for-profit events but also needs to like look at things from a practical perspective oh yeah no it's right now the only the only like the only volunteer run non-profit con in this state that's like bringing in the numbers is kitsune 
Like that's like that's anime Milwaukee. Just, I mean, anime Milwaukee. Anime Milwaukee. For, like, is Milwaukee even? I. They're not. I don't know. They, profit. They're, and they're they? big. I know they're big. They're I just, it's hard for me to even like consider them nonprofit. No, guess, it's they are a nonprofit organization. ASEN is a nonprofit organization. It's and actually, if you do anything about like the history of like Amke's budgets, they <laughs> every dime that goes in there gets spent. Not always spent well, but it gets spent <laughs> for the event. Might I remind you of three point five? Amkey 3.5 held at the University Center there in Milwaukee where their dance was held in the cafeteria. I loved that year. <laughs> so I, I didn't go to 3.5. I went to 2.5. I went to 3.5. I went to 2.5 where I discovered that you could actually circumvent all their security by going through this one men's bathroom in the <laughs> student center because it had two doors. One in different hallways to the same bathroom and one of the doors exited to this men's bathroom exited um into past security and the other one like past the badgers and the other end was on like outside of the badgers and so you could you could 100 percent like i i figured out you could 100 percent get around their badgers and into the vendor room just by going through this one men's bathroom wow I, I had a badge. I was not breaking any rules. I just discovered it when I went to go use the bathroom. And then I went out the other door and discovered myself outside the convention area. And then I went back in. I always, I always do this test. Um, like, if I'm going to an event that I'm trying to evaluate them, I with my badge, I will hide my badge. So I'm not trying to get into anywhere that I haven't paid to go to. But I will tuck my badge away so it's not visible. Just to see if anybody asks to see my badge. And like the number of cons that have failed that test, like where no one has stopped me, is phenomenal. That was like, not an issue at Colossal, I can tell you that well, much. Um I would have been I, yeah, I would have been surprised if it happened at Colossal. Um See, I haven't been there. I haven't like the last time I went to the Kalahari was before the expansion, so I haven't I haven't been there in a long time. So um, Yeah. They used the expanded space better than Daisho did. I'll say that much. Um, Daisho's last year, um, which was the only year where they had the expanded space. Yeah, 2019. Uh, yeah. Was a... Uh, it was... Their their usage of the space was an absolute travesty, to put it, to put it lightly. It was not smartly used. It was very weird. Um, and that was they definitely had a much smarter usage of the space uh, for CCN's thing. Um, I So I can't really complain too much in that regard. I wish COVID restrictions would have existed at all. Um, but yeah. yeah, I'll still take this over. Like, there's so many other for-profit organizations out there. This is like the... It, it, <laughs> it's the lesser of evils. Yeah, it's it's a Target versus Walmart sort of thing. Like yeah. I'm I'm sorry. Like it's I'm I'm it's you're none of these are a huge boon, but one of them is orders of magnitude more evil. So you you just gotta roll. Yeah. Anyways, I think that settles up the Colossal Con North section of the show. So let's move on to thing to to 
to not less controversial stuff like Andor. <laughs> how, how is Andor controversial? Oh no, I'm lost. it's Andor's good. <laughs> it's just uh, it's a very politically driven show in a good way. Oh, yeah. Like I like it. It's just that like it's. You mean the the most aggressively anti-fascist piece of media that Disney has ever put their stamp on? Yep. Yeah, that's fair. Um, so I loved Andor. I loved it. It it started off uh, like really scratching an itch for me, and then the last three or so episodes were so perfect i i'm kind of beside myself i was not prepared for the just the everything that every actor brought their a game the scripts were tight as hell um there were some casting decisions that i did not expect and i 1000 percent endorse ah it was it was amazing. I I enjoyed it a lot. It's you know we talked about this in the previous episode that I think this show um, that you liked this show more than I did. Um, overall, I think the show was excellent. I just want to be clear, like it it's more of a it didn't necess- like the earlier episodes especially didn't scratch like I feel like it. I got way more into it in like the last half in the in the back half of the season. Um, it's like so so i'm with you on on that it's an excellent series i there's no disagreement there it's it's still not quite what i necessarily want out of my star wars um but that said it's good it's really really good i i don't know i just it's like somebody put down an excellent pumpkin pie in front of me no, that's fair. I'm not super into pumpkin pie, but I can tell you that it's a good pumpkin pie. The best pumpkin pie that somebody's ever made. I don't think anything out of this franchise has I found more inspirational than Nemex Manifesto. Pie or pumpkin Manifesto. pie? I love pumpkin pie. Why was I saying You said pumpkin, pumpkin pie. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so I, I meant to say apple pie because I'm not a huge fan of apple pie. I love pumpkin. You know, the reason why I said pumpkin pie is because I've eaten a lot of pumpkin pie in the last week. Kristen and I went through two pumpkin pies. <laughs> but yeah, no, Andor's good, y'all. You should watch it. Nothing has inspired me in this franchise more than uh, Nemex Man- Manifesto. That's all I'm going to say. I might have saved it to my phone just for what I'm feeling. <laughs> yeah, without um without any spoilers, it's it's definitely the the season finale is phenomenal and it's one of the best pieces of television that's existed this year. If it doesn't get nominated for several Emmys, I will be angry. I don't know, it's hard to say with genre shows like this. It's and as far as I can tell with the amount of push that Disney's been doing behind it in the last couple of weeks, that makes me think that uh, not as many people have been watching it, which is really too bad. I because like they they aired the first couple episodes on ABC and put like the first episode up on Hulu temporarily. 
I think I'm just bothered by the fact that it's just, I don't know. They made this this beautiful thing. And the apparently the Star Wars thing that brought in numbers was the Tales of the Jedi shorts, which were good. They were they were very good. They're fine. But it was like, oh oh boy, here's some characters that you all already know, and laser swords again. I mean, it's, it's always hard to say. Like it's so. Like the thing is with 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 Andor. Um, besides the fact that it's two conjunctions put together, his name's two conjunctions. Um, and or. Um, <laughs> sorry, it's it's something that I noticed watching like like the back half of the season. I was like, his name is and or. And I don't in know my, why that like sticks out in my head as very funny. In my opinion, based on the finale, the title is burying the lead as to who it's actually referring to. That's my take. Oh, that but. too, yeah. Um, but um it's the the show is the show is good. I think it does have the challenge of being a prequel to arguably a prequel, but uh it it being a prequel that like every time you see a character who was in Rogue One, you're like, okay, no, they're gonna be fine. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah, but I mean that's the thing is like I guess I don't care because the story is good. Oh no, it's... like the, the fact of the matter is like I'm I hate to say this, but I'm used to that with Disney brain because they already announced who's going to be in these Avengers movies all the time. So it's like, well, that person's fine. I, I think you're that missing. Gonna be I fine. think you're missing my point. Like, you're missing what I'm saying here, uh, because I'm saying this is me complimenting the series because um, it was it was it was a something they had to like it was an obstacle in developing in in making the show compelling, right? Like. It, it, mm. If you know that the main character is going to survive this series no matter what, like you know that the Cassian is going to make it through X situation no matter what because he has to because this other piece of media where his character was actually introduced in and well we I don't want to put spoilers out for Rogue One so I'll I'll skip the rest of that sentence but um like to know that the the stakes say he has to make it no matter what and to still give those stakes weight is a mm. is is a challenge that the writers and directors and that the show managed to surmount you know what i mean like they managed to uh do it really well and so that's the, because like i always talk about this and i've talked about this with uh, my favorite weird doom genre of a show where you know it's a prequel to something that involves a planet blowing up and all the characters on that show you know are going to be dead because, again, you know that planet's going to explode. You know, that thing that happened twice, like, Both it's weird that it happened channel. twice. Yeah, it's weird that Sci-Fi Channel made that show twice. Um, with both, you know, the the prequel to Battlestar Galactica, Caprica, and the S Superman prequel, Krypton, like... There's a reason why but I never Krypton. Krypton didn't have the chutzpah to introduce a kid named Villadama <laughs> to heavily imply that he's going to grow up to be Edward James Olmos and then to kill him and be like, oops, there's a different Villadama. 
I can't get over that that's a real thing that happened. I mean, it's and to be fair, it's not like it's not like Disney made a show called Alderaan, you know? Right. Right. What is I don't I don't think that siren got picked up by my microphone. Um <laughs> But yeah, it's uh yeah, I was going to say, uh, they could have made Alderaan. I mean, to be fair, we did see a bunch of Alderaan in um, in Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> Kenobi. Wait, we might have seen too much Alderaan in Obi-Wan Kenobi, if I'm going to be honest. But... but to be fair, we also, like, it's the, the character who's featured most from Alderaan is a character who you know who's going to... Kenobi also yeah. had that problem. Um, mm-hmm. They sure do make liking, you know... Here's a weird thing that happened twice. Star Wars television shows uh, about a guy who you know is going to sh- die in the next movie he shows up in the timeline. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Most deaths are chronologically pretty close to each other, too. And trying to bring about the same thing. Yeah, no. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, it's uh, Disney. <laughs> Disney's. We found. Okay, so uh, Sci Fi Channel does it about a planet. Disney does it about a guy. <laughs> that works. It's uh, but but anyways, you should you should watch Andor if you haven't yet. It's excellent. It's uh, whole first seasons out on on Disney and it's good, and you should it, watch it. And it becomes like orders of magnitude funnier when you consider that it's taking place during the same time as the first season of rebels, because like those kids are like goofing off and like just actual, like violent leftist revolution is going on. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's so, I I love it. I love it. What I love, um, what I love about Andor is the absolute incompetence of the empire in certain ways while also like still being evil and still doing the destructive stuff because tyranny requires a constant effort it breaks it leaks right authority is brittle but there is a section of the season (laughs) where they are trying to capture cassian andor do you know where cassian andor is in that part of the season well I don't know where he is because uh, that's uh, that's another that's that's a. <laughs> He's in a goddamn prison. What's a different name. They have that's him. Pri- They've arrested and imprisoned him. That's nah. That's why nah, they can't find him. Different guy. He's literally in the jail cell that they run. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what you're talking about. That's a different guy. <clears throat> it's I. Sorry for that minor spoiler. Uh, but yeah, no, it's the most, I'm like, I'm sitting here going, oh God, like it's, I'm cracking up in those, those scenes with with the empire. That's Clem. Clem's in prison. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> it's just, yeah. Uh, so, so go watch Andor. You should, so actually, if you haven't watched Andor yet, pause this podcast, go get a free, if you don't have Disney plus sign up for a free preview and just go watch all of Andor right now. Doesn't matter if you've seen Rogue One or not, because Rogue One takes place after this. 
Right? Keep Tony Gilroy working. Do it. Do it. Do it. I can't get a good emperor voice today. All right. Um. Speaking of spinoff media, <laughs> I guess. Uh, so uh, half the Internet's been talking about Wednesday and uh, it came out on uh, Netflix being, of course, about featuring Wednesday Adams going off to an occult school boarding school thing and kind of yeah it, the the cwification of wednesday adams is what some people have described it as and uh i don't know if that's entirely incorrect but um it's usually said derisively and uh i the whole so the first season of wednesday is out and uh it i think it's actually surprisingly good yeah yeah I mean, I've only seen the first episode, so I can't say much about it, but tell me if you think I'm wrong. But I think it it feels very spooky, ooky, Nancy Drew. Well, I mean, the current Nancy Drew series is also spooky, ooky. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, I, so I went to the show thinking I was going to hate it. I absolutely went in thinking mm. I was going to hate it because, um, like, fundamentally, um, like, the Adams family for me, historically, was always, you know, like, the idea of these strange people in contrast to their suburban neighbors, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so the premise of putting, you know, the, the premise of putting Wednesday Adams instead in a place full of other supernatural people and other spooky stuff instead of it like it seemed to go against the point of like of the also, adams ironically family. a thing tim burton has proven himself good at like i'm just saying like weirdo is up against okay, so, suburban normalcy sorry just... tim burton's name is all over this thing uh-huh he is not the creator of the show thank god he is not the showrunner he oh, is, so he just put his name on everything? He's like an he executive producer, does. right. So it's like those things that say Tim Burton that you love. You know, like, uh, <laughs> not the stuff that he actually made. Um, yeah, so um, Tim Burton's involvement in this is... Like, he, he originally was going to direct some... Like, he originally was going to... Yeah, it, anyways... Yeah, so Tim Burton's involvement is negligible as far as I'm concerned. Um, it, uh, it stars, uh, is it Jenna Ortega who plays uh, Wednesday mm -hmm. Adams? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and they give her, like, psychic visions to just kind of, you know. Yeah, move the plot along. Spooky her up, move the plot along. She pretty much has, like, you know, Cordelia's powers from Angel. <laughs> That's, you know, um, but like, it's, it's actually pretty good. Like it's, um, I thought I wasn't going to like it, but it's, it's actually, it's excellent. Um, the rest of the Adams family, um, are in it in small parts. Uh, um, 
like the first episode has uh, Gomez Morticia and Pugsley in it, mm-hmm. and then they they reappear like a couple of times in the show, but um, like they're not uh, like they're not major characters in the show, and uh, like and uh, Luis Guzman plays Gomez Adams, um, Catherine Zeta Jones plays Morticia. Um, good casting yeah it's Mm -hmm. and uh uncle fester does show up in one episode and he's played by fred armison and he is excellent um also one of the regular cast members uh one of the regular people in the show uh is christina ricci playing uh, a character on the show uh so at one point she they do do the thing where at one point she says to to Wednesday that you're a lot like me, and I, yeah, <laughs> I was like, oh, of course they're gonna, but they do roll past it. Like you gotta, it's a, I was like the writers slipped that joke in, but they didn't dwell on it. Um, but also like Gwendolyn Christie's in this, uh, Ricky Lindholm, like it's it's good. Yeah, that's phenomenal cast. I, I freely admit, I just. I'm not really that big on, uh, like, I don't even really like the Christina Ricci version of Wednesday very much. Like, I just don't, I find actually dreadful, dark, kind of goth Wednesday to be really boring. Okay. Like, I, I like the, I really like the 60s version um, where she is constantly surrounded by all this macabre stuff. And has like this big smile on her face all the time, uh, you know her her headless doll Antoinette, things like that. I find that very charming and funny, and I find the seriousification or gothification of Wednesday. I've just always found that to be really boring. See, and I... I so this show doesn't really seem like it's offering me much. Well, and here's the thing: like they definitely like do go that route with her with her personality. Mm-hmm. Um, but they do a good job of bouncing off of it. Okay. I, yeah. Well, and she's like, very, um, well, and also like, she's very like, yes, they go obviously for the, like the much more similar to Christine, Christina Ricci's character in the Adams family movies, because that's the version of Wednesday Adams that most resonates with frankly, people my age and younger. Um, no, I get that. But also, I, I, I feel like she ends up very, um, <laughs> she's very, uh, she's very, coded as autistic that's that's really what i get okay. from a lot of it and uh i i really enjoy her performance um like and i i like i think there's a lot of it where you can see someone who is struggling to express emotions and interacting with people's emotions that she's not necessarily good at processing mm. So it's like there's there's kind of and there are layers to uh, Jenna Ortega's performance. Like, I'm not saying she was intentionally autistic coded, but like it's that's definitely a part of you can tell there's a part of the performance where trying to figure out how to like socialize and relate to other people where she's struggling with it. You know, it's um, and I think I think that those actually those layers do come through in the performance in the show. And especially, you know, and so I overall, I think it's like it's obviously to it's a supernatural teen drama. People will just get ganked on this show, though. I will say that later on, like. This show has no problem, like just especially in the later episodes, just killing people. 
<laughs> oh yeah, I mean, even in just the first episode, it's like, oh yeah, there's gonna be gore in this. Oh yeah, no, it's like get ready for it, and like big fun like spooky monsters. Yeah, and yeah. Yeah, and and people who you're pretty sure like, oh yeah, that's a major character. They're gonna survive, not necessarily. <laughs> that's very fun. Yeah, um, I'm from, glad it's from like a writer's life. standpoint. That. That's very fun. It, it it just doesn't sound like it's gonna be my cup of tea, but I'm glad that people are enjoying it. Like I really am. Yeah, it's so yeah, it good. I think I think that's all we have to to really talk about there without really going into any spoiler territory for the show. But mm. it look if you don't like teen dramas, you're probably gonna hate it. I will say that. But I like those dramas sometimes. So it's and it's a good version of that. Like it's so like there are bad examples of that kind of a show, but there are good examples of that kind of show, and this is a good example of that kind of a show. Mm. So yeah, rolling past that. We're going to talk about something that I'm apparently the only one of us who's watched already, and that is the Guardians Christmas special. So we'll keep this part brief, <laughs> I guess. Uh, so Disney has released yet another one of their, like, effectively TV specials. I love the 70s era graphic. It's just like they did with Werewolf by Night around um, Halloween. They've released the Guardians of the Galaxy um, holiday special, the Christmas special, and it is um, it's excellent. Um <laughs> I, I I want them to keep doing these. Like I've only watched Werewolf. I haven't had a chance at Guardians yet, but I want them to keep doing these. Yeah, it's um effectively the Guardians have uh, bought nowhere from the collector. Um and uh <laughs> Yeah, they they've bought nowhere from the collector and uh oh Cosmo the Space Dog's hanging out too. Uh excellent. But uh yeah, it's um Peter's getting really down around Christmas. And uh, so after Craiglin explains to uh, Drax and Mantis what Christmas is, uh, and uh, <laughs> they decide they're going to find the perfect Christmas present for Quill to cheer him up. And so they go kidnap Kevin Bacon. Excellent. Yeah. And that's just that's good stuff. that's the plot. It's I mean, and it. It opens up. There are there are little homages to the to the Star Wars holiday special in this. Like it opens up with the flashback scene to uh, Craglings narrating like a, a scene um, like to early on in like a flashback to Peter's childhood, and it's animated like uh, like some of the animate like similar animation style to some of the segments from the Star Wars holiday special in the cartoon that style. Nelvana animation. Yeah, yeah, it's. Um, and there is, uh, there's a musical number that's <laughs> done Excellent. diegetically, uh, by, uh, the, the band, the old 97s is in, uh, alien makeup Cole, uh, I, I don't remember the name of the song. It's, uh, is it, I don't understand what Christmas is. Like it's pretty much just this alien band trying to explain Christmas and getting it like 50% right. And like singing it at star Lord. And he keeps like trying to correct them. Um, it's very funny. Uh, I will say Chris Pratt is barely in this because <laughs> most of the movie you're you're following uh, Drax and Mantis. Um, like the rest of the Guardians all show up, but uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's and and you know, then Kevin Bacon plays himself, and it's just Important. it's it's goofy. It's funny. Um, it's uh you know 
Yeah, I don't. I don't know if it'll be as good as his last Marvel role, but you know, he was he was Sebastian Shaw in the X Men. I forgot about that. I can't forget about it because it was like orders of magnitude better than most of the X Men movies. <laughs> I mean, it's a good one. It's, yeah. It's one of the good ones. It's definitely one of the good ones. Look, the first, so, yeah, like, okay, so X-Men movies, obviously, I like the first two. And then, um, First Class is good. And, uh... And Logan makes me cry. I enjoyed the Wolverine. I enjoyed the Wolverine, but it's because (laughs) I also am a fan of that era of comics. Like I, like I like it up to Silver Samurai, stupid Silver Samurai. Yeah, I liked it. Uh, Stupid. I liked it. And then Days of Future Past was 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 fun. They nailed Sentinels. Yeah, I liked that. That was fun. And it was fun to see some of the, you know, the other X-Men back, like the actors and like some of the scenes. And then, mm-hmm. um, and Logan. And then I guess the Deadpool movies, technically. Yep. <laughs> that, uh, that's... I'll actually defend X-Men Apocalypse to a point. I won't. I don't think it's a great movie. I but won't. <laughs> I, I think it came out next to Captain America Civil War, which made it look worse. No, if you need a a good party movie with some friends, if you need to joke with some friends, wouldn't it be funny if Hugh Jackman was in the next room over and then he ran off into the snow and that literally happens? It's the greatest film ever made. Like, I'm sorry. (laughs) I guess, you know, here's this thing is it's like Oscar Isaacs was so wasted in that film. I haven't seen an actor more wasted in a Marvel property since uh, Christopher Eccleston in Thor the Dark World. And it made me look at Thor the Dark World favorably. Hard disagree. I would I would take X-Men Apocalypse over Thor the Dark World. I'll take Thor the Dark World over X-Men Apocalypse any day of the week. Yeah. The amazing thing about X-Men Apocalypse is where... They make a joke that the third movie always sucks in the mm-hmm. third movie, which was kind of sucky. Like you, you, you no, don't no, get to, I, you don't get to hang get that. It. And then Singer it. went and uh, every time, why, why did they fuck up Dark Phoenix twice? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, Brian Singer didn't do that one. That was the, uh, they hired the guy who wrote the first bad Dark Phoenix movie to direct the second bad Dark Phoenix To be fair, Brian Singer's an awful human being who I would... Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, who who can... Let me tell you. Do you know how much it sucks to have... Blame him for things he actually did instead of blaming him for shitting the bed. You know what I hate? You know what I hate? You know what I hate? How much I, I love the movie The Usual Suspects. I can't watch that movie ever again for two people. The star and the director. It's anyway, it so, uh, yeah, a Guardians Holiday Special. Um, I like I'll it. i get around to it. <laughs> I'm going to watch it. I just, I, I had COVID. <laughs> yeah. Speaking, I had higher priorities. Speaking of Chris Pratt. <laughs> oh, my God. There's a new trailer out for the new Super Mario Brothers movie. 
Let's go. And I actually don't hate Chris Pratt's couple of lines in there. Well, I mean, it helps that, like, nobody else is doing character voices. I, think, I disagree. Like I think Jack Black is. <laughs> um, I think Jack Black's the only one um, who's really trying to do something else with his voice, whereas the other ones are just like, you know. Yeah, but to be fair, I think Charlie Day's voice is fine. It's it's suitable for the character. It's just naturally suitable for the character. I that, love that, that works Luigi out with most of them. is a damsel in distress from the looks of it. I'm here for it. I yeah, think no, that that's very funny. As a fan of Luigi, 10 out of 10. I love that decision. Also, <laughs> like, I love that they're bringing us Peach in her racing outfit. Yes! We have been yes, blessed. Yes, yes. Thank you uh, for, for, you know, Peach coming in strong. Love that. Love that for her. I love just how much of the lore, like how much Mario, like shenanigans is just crammed into this trailer, like like Rainbow Road, the go-karts. The, oh, yeah, no. The, it's... the Fire Flower, the Tanuki Well, even suit. like the, yeah. the 2D platforming. Uh-huh. Smash Brothers. <laughs> yeah, and like <laughs> everything. They're chucking everything in here. It's great. Yeah, it's yeah, the... No, it, aesthetically, it looks amazing. I mean, I feel it's... like I need to make an It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia joke with Luigi somehow, um, but I don't know how. So pretend I did, and it was funny. Well, I just hope that Luigi finds some fight milk. <laughs> I hope Luigi I shows up early one morning and forces the other Mario characters to perform a musical <laughs> based on a traumatic event that happened to him as a child. That's what I want. Oh. That's, that, I, I, just, we, we all know the reference but I'm afraid our listeners might not because they're uncultured it's 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 culture nightmare. yourself eat it's some yogurt the night man just <laughs> culture yourself yeah culture yourself anyway I don't know I really I'm jazzed for this movie I kind of hate that I'm jazzed for this movie. I, I'm i not fully sold on Chris Pratt, but everyone else is fine. Yeah. <laughs> fine to extremely good. So, yeah, I'm I, excited. I, it looks like it's going to be like good enough to overlook Pratt. The, Pratt the, the negatives that people have been worried about. It looks like it's going to be really, really fun. Yeah. yeah. Nintendo! I just generated yeah, some really weird AI day. art. Oh, no. <laughs> Not again. I just tried to get an image of Luigi in an Irish bar. Oh, no. That's going to be the episode image. Yeah. Oh, my God. Anyway... Anyway, uh, <laughs> next topic. What? Oh, yeah, I guess we're talking about something. Uh, so Twitter's on fire. <laughs> right, that's the next topic. I'm glad I'm on Tumblr. 
And Tumblr's joining the Fediverse, so, like, I won't even have to create a Mastodon account now. <laughs> the thing is, like, I'm... I like my microblogging. I like the community that I had built in Twitter, despite it being a hell site. And uh, I, I guess, you know, not to skip to this part too early, it freaking sucks that such a integral piece of of like communication technology, shitty website or not, um, something that had been important for organizing, especially for minority voices, yeah. especially for marginalized people, is has been taken over and is swiftly being destroyed by an imbecile who never understood how the site was used in the first place and is, if nothing else, finally demonstrating to the world his dick flapping in the wind why for the last five years I've been telling everyone I meet Elon Musk is a fucking dumbass. Because guess what? He's there. No one can argue it anymore. He's not a secret genius. He's an imbecile. He's a dipshit who got all of his money from his stupid apartheid emerald collecting father. He's never accomplished anything. And now he's going to destroy a website because he just couldn't stop shit posting. And he wanted to be able to use slurs against trans people. Let's, I'm not, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. What a piece of shit. I'm not disagreeing and I'm not taking away from what you're saying there, but Trey, I'm concerned at how much that looks like a Muppet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, it's listeners. I have, uh, I sent to our, our group chat for the show uh, the image that will be going up as the cover God. image for this episode. So if you go to nerdandtie.com, you can see this image for yourself if you're listening through your podcatcher. Um, go go look at it see what i mean see You'll it understand. with your eyes it's concerning <laughs> i love him um, i like how realistic his ears are <laughs> okay but yeah twitter um i'm staying till the end i don't know about about y'all all y'all well, out there but Oh, yeah, I'm going down with the ship. I want to see what happens. Here's the thing. I'd already kind of left Twitter a little while ago. Um, like, I, I was like, I would I would stop by and I'd use it a bit. But, like, it had it, it was more my secondary social network. Um, Like, for my own stuff, like, I'd actually, like, I'd moved back to Tumblr fully a while ago. Tumblr's kind of, of where I go. I will say the one thing is Twitter... Unfortunately, Twitter scratches, like, does one thing better than any other social network, and that's for breaking news when stuff is happening, like, especially yeah, in the convention yeah, exactly. scene. Like, if I need to find, so like, fast. if I was writing a news story, like, and some incident happened at a convention, right, and, like, I'm writing an article about what happened there, I can talk to people, I could get information. There are so many stories that started out because some whistleblower or something came forward on Twitter and it gave me the opportunity to go reach out to the people directly involved, and, like, I'd have a name I could contact, like, I'd have the people I could reach out to. More importantly, though, if there were, like, incidents that happened that had multiple witnesses, um, Twitter was a place I could go to because, you know, we're a small news organization. We don't have people everywhere. And if I need photos of what happened, 
The great thing about Twitter is if someone posted photos to their Twitter, I can embed the tweet, which gives them full credit. They're still in control of the thing. Um, but we can share those pictures with our audience and redirect you to those tweets by, again, just embedding the tweet. So, like, we're not stealing the image. We're embedding the original media and, like, through through their – and, like, it allows us to share and get that information out there in ways that other social media platforms really don't because um, – Facebook hides everything behind a wall, right? It's Facebook is everything is walled off. You can't see it. Tumblr still puts stuff out publicly. However, Tumblr's search is not good. Like, mm -hmm. it's as much as I love Tumblr and I love my community on Tumblr that I have there. And you should, you know, follow Nerd and Tie on Tumblr if you're on Tumblr. Um, but also follow me, Tregorn, T-R-E-G-O-R-N. Um, <laughs> but, like... Uh, it's the search is terrible, right? So if things aren't tagged properly, if things aren't, you know, like it, it's hard to surface stuff. Um, if 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 you're looking for it, like if you're not in like directly following, even though those blogs are still public and can be embedded and all that stuff, um, it's harder to find the evidence there. So like, Twitter is unique in especially like disseminating information, like in a public way, that no other social media like really allows you to do like you can't embed tiktoks you have to download a tiktok and repost it you know mm -hmm. which again like i'm not gonna i i'm i'm against stealing people's media it's youtube really doesn't suit itself for spreading those that stuff either it's facebook again so it's like twitter was uniquely like this nice public facing social media site and i'm and and a lot of people have been leaving it because, you know, like, it, like, he has fired, Elon Musk has fired so much of the staff. Um, like, there is, like, one person on the child safety team left. Um, the, almost no content moderation people are left there at all. It's, he's, the, the man is incompetent beyond all reason. And it's, like... On the one hand, okay, so here's the here's the thing. Like, on the one hand, it's really bad to lose Twitter. Um, it is illustrating the problem with modern social media that the we are too centralized in these services, right? Like, mm -hmm. Twitter going down, and that's um, and it's it's an argument for services like the Fediverse, like Mastodon and other services that use the Fediverse, where you can follow people in a central feed from across different services and things like that. And so, like, it's, like, Mastodon is effectively your open source Twitter, and there are instances you can, you, you just need to join an instance, and you can follow people from any instance, and you can follow more than just Mastodon's posts in your, in your Mastodon feed. Like, anything that uses the uh, Fediverse, like, the, the protocol for it, you can follow feeds from any of those services, any of those public feeds. And I think it's a, it's a much better way to manage that and it, it'll take people a little bit to get used to it. And I think if that can rise and come up, like it would be better uh, than, than by, but it doesn't mean that like we wouldn't, we would have been better off if a service like Twitter had opened up and become and joined the Fediverse like that and allowed us to disseminate and spread and, and do that rather than losing this resource, which is what we risk doing right now. Um, and I don't think there's any way that uh, that Elon Musk would ever open up Twitter to, you know, any to anyone. Um, also, I'm annoyed because I was I had I had stock in Twitter that I bought for a higher rate originally 
than what Elon bought it for. So I had this long term hope of occasion. Like I only lost like twenty bucks overall, but I I lost twenty dollars <laughs> thanks to Elon Musk's fucking buyout because. Uh, <laughs> I think it's also been. It was a long-term stock purchase. It wasn't supposed to be like I was. <laughs> I just, I just want to point this out that what's really interesting is that Elon and all of his sycophants, um, it's it's amazing watching the cognitive dissonance of them still believing in their heart of hearts, despite all demonstrable evidence that Twitter wasn't run the way that it was because of some, like, push from leftist activists. It was done because advertisers don't want to put their ads next to Nazi shit. Like, it's really basic stuff, and they're too boneheaded to understand that. Mm-hmm. Just... Yeah. I have no sympathy for people who hero worship this imbecile. Well, what's the, what's the line that he's the dumb guy's idea of a smart guy? It is if someone he is a sentient version of an I effing love science T-shirt wrapped in a joint. And somehow the Internet uh, came together a few years ago and we're like, well, this thing seems smart. I have had wet farts with better ideas than that piece of shit. A very um, rear end focused Celeste tonight. Um, I'm sorry. Well, you know what? Maybe <laughs> from both I, positives and negatives. From both positives and negatives. Just, uh, it's just a, you know, it. I. It it sucks that we're gonna lose this resource, and it, like. Yeah, it's there's so much stuff that has been facilitated by by Twitter, existing over the years. Yeah, I mean, mm. one of my favorite things um, was live tweeting. Yeah. Where, like, you Same. would watch an event and, like, tweet about it as it's happening. And then, like, your friends would be watching the same thing. And you could, like, tweet at each other, like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe that happened. Or, oh, look at this. ah, And, like, you're reacting together even though you're miles apart. And that was kind of fun. Hard agree. Oh, it's just, and I'm one of these like professional lurkers. I'd like never post anything anymore because I don't care. Um, but like, this is how I keep up with my friends and like see how they're doing and make sure that they're doing okay. <laughs> so it's just like, mm, dang it. So all of my friends that are only on Twitter that I don't follow like on other sites, it's just like, well, dang. I'm not going to know how they are anymore. They yeah. might be dead. <laughs> yeah. Like it's getting Ethan to it's... use Tumblr has been the problem. Um, <laughs> like there, there are, yeah, it's like, there's some people where like, sometimes you have friends who are only on one social network. Mm-hmm. And Yeah. Which is why I'm on many social networks. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, same. I just don't post. Yeah. But I am there. Watching. Lurking. Lurking. Waiting in the bushes. Yes. Yeah, I don't... 
yeah, it's I'm I'm primarily on Tumblr and I'm on Facebook and then I check Twitter. <laughs> like I don't know. Anyone who looks at my Twitter feed is mostly gonna see just posts promoting stuff. <laughs> Not like and then every once so yeah, honestly I end up cross posting. Like I will do a Twitter thread that is also actually what I did is I took a Tumblr post I just wrote and broke it up into tweets. <laughs> And turned it into a Twitter thread. Um, if, if anyone still wants to find my Twitter, it is a stream of consciousness, fantastagoric mindscape that will violently oscillate between me angrily posting about politics and uh, squeeing about something gay that happened in the recent Gundam cartoon. There is no middle ground. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just it's going to suck not having it. That's, I don't really have anything else to say other than boo. Like, it's here's the thing Twitter will likely not go offline immediately, knock on wood, because anything could happen at this point. I did just download all my Twitter data. Um, <laughs> but, like, it's, this is going to be a slow death. This is going to be like the MySpace death. Yeah, this isn't going to be a quick. Um, I would recommend that if you have data on Twitter you value to back it up. Um, download your backup. Uh, like, I mean, because they've been fucking around and just screwing things up. Like, there was a day where he shut down all these dependencies and, like, broke two-factor authentication for a day. Yep. Like... I saw that. Yeah. Like, you basically got, like, locked out. <laughs> like, he was and evaluating he people the... by how many lines of code they write, which is not a good way to evaluate engineers. No. It's, it's almost like he doesn't actually understand how well, anything Well, I was reading works. a really interesting thing that this guy who claimed he had worked at SpaceX at one point talked about how whenever Elon Musk was there, like, they orchestrated all this stuff around him to make it look like yeah. they were busy. And, like, mm -hmm. effectively executed a performance around him. And what happened, and, like, all the other times that, you know... Elon Musk walked in, it had always been places that kind of grew up around Elon Musk. And so, like, because even, like, Tesla was much smaller before he bought it. And, because uh, remember, that man never starts anything. Um, like, Twitter, like, was just operating like a company when he walked in. And he just completely broke it because no one was prepared to, like, dance around his dumb ass. They were used to dealing with bosses who took things seriously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Tech bros are a poison. Um, and I would be fine if Elon Musk accidentally caught on fire. I would not mind. I would not oh, no. feel bad. At no, all. Me neither. That'd be great, actually. Same. That'd be a fan. Anyway. There's a really good Stormwood yeah. arc you should listen to. That's what I was saying. <laughs> it's really sure. good. Uh yeah, it 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 one hundred percent doesn't involve at one point. Um, a head on a stick. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, anyways. Definitely just not. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we should probably <laughs> move on to the Vomit Head Steve Challenge. Indeed. All right, so the Vomit Head Steve Challenge, for those of you who don't know, is part of the show where I read a line from a book, and the challenge to you, the listener, is to guess what book I am reading from. If you guess correctly, you get included in the Hall of Awesome. The benefits of the Hall of Awesome are as follows. One, I read your name aloud every episode. Two, your name goes up on a secret page on the website. I'm calling it secret now. That makes it not sound like obscure, which is what it actually is. But it's a secret page on the website. You get listed. And uh, three, 
Um, I don't know. Figure it out. Anyways. <laughs> the current members of the Hall of Awesome are as follows. Archimide, Zero, Rena Nascenti, Cheesy McDam, you, Krista, Slithery D, Shameless Otaku, The Random, Ramb Random Ramblings Man, Corfan, Capito, Chris Graham, Lilysaurus, Paper Godzilla, Cavsy, The Minnesota Librarians, Ke Sean Orange, Keith Shizuo, Sakura Sunset, Joel Kreisman, Patrick Delahanty, Wonderland Hearts, and Megzi Sass Council. Now I'm going to grab this book. I'm going to read a line from it. I'm just going to go to page 106. Sure, Adam said. We can show you the ecology deck, too. Nobody minds if we go there to look at the birds and animals. If you know a book that's from codenerdtie.com, click on the contact uh, link and then uh, fill out the form and tell us. Or if you have any other thoughts, hopes, dreams, things you'd like to tell us about, your laments about the loss of Twitter, go there and uh, tell us them there. And uh, we'll read them aloud on the show. Like people do. Because we are people just like you only weirder probably i don't know probably possibly a cryptid i'm not in your house i'm not in your head yet jeff goldblum might be though look out yeah watch out for that guy jeff goldblum is amazing and i would let him in my head whenever he wanted i watched buckaroo bonsai last night and i didn't know Jeff Goblin was in that, so it was a pleasant surprise. All right, with that, uh, <laughs> <laughs> with that riveting note, uh, I'm 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 Trey Dorn. I'm Celestartan. I'm Genproc. And you've been listening to Nerd and Ty. Remember, you can subscribe to the show anywhere where podcasts are shipped off to your brains, uh, be it Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher. Podbean, RSS feeds directly, you know, all those things. Uh, please rate and review us, by the way, at places like Apple Podcasts, because that really does help the show get out there for the algorithm's sake. Algorithms are the devil, but we live with them and deal with them. I remember you can follow this show on social media. We have a Twitter, at Nerd and Tie. Follow it while you still can. Uh, we're also on Tumblr, nerdandtie.tumblr.com. You can also follow the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash nerdandtie. The show doesn't have a TikTok, and that's okay. I have a TikTok, and that's not great. Uh, <laughs> uh, remember, you can support the show financially by sponsoring episodes, as we mentioned up front, with the sponsor button on the website, nerdandtie.com. Or uh, you can sponsor us directly. I have a Patreon at patreon.com slash T-R-A-E-G-O-R-N. Uh, Celeste has a Patreon. Celeste, what's your Patreon again? Patreon.com slash Celeste is best. And again, how can people give you money? Check out my Etsy store, Ocelot Do Designs. All right. And remember, in your hearts, in your heads, in your hopes, in your dreams at night, when you're sitting there staring up at an abyss as an all-powerful energy wave decimates the earth in your nightmare, and you're sitting there going, why do I remember that happening? I wonder if the human soul exists as you then reincorporate and the date and timeline resets. Sorry, that's an actual dream I had. Like, the world is getting destroyed in a time loop, but I kept remembering it, and I realized that for me to remember it, I had to exist outside my corporeal body, and therefore that in my dream I was more focused on the existential crisis that I just proved my soul existed rather than that oncoming destruction of the Earth that kept happening every 24 hours in the dream. 
You know, that kind of a moment. Anyways, in that moment, I'll be there with you. Really confused as well. I think that makes sense. I've been having weird dreams, guys. She, she found Spocken in the free world? Yeah. Also, Goncharov is never not funny. But I'm on Tumblr, and I will tell you, the Goncharov meme, as it has left Tumblr, some of y'all, like, I saw, like, some people get trying to get in on a TikTok, and I'm just like... Feel like you don't really exhibit the correct chaos energy TikTok people to really understand Goncharov. I don't know what this is. You don't know what Goncharov is the uh. Goncharov, nineteen seventy three, <laughs> greatest mafia movie ever made, directed uh, Martin Scorsese. Uh, might be based off a pair of boots. Twitter, Tumblr, basically like tricked Scorsese into remembering that he made they didn't this trick film. Him. He's in on the joke. Okay. Scorsese's in on the joke. He understands okay. that it's not real. Okay, He's good. He's being funny. We're all. I was worried. Gatekeep, gaslight, Goncharov. 